0: refer your ADHD provider to the show if he or she would like more information. Hello, this is Dr. David Pomeroy, your host on ADHD Focus, the podcast that is dedicated to dispelling the myth information out there about ADHD. My guest today is an innovator in the field of helping people with ADHD. Elaine Taylor-Klaus has uh, developed over a number of years an approach of helping kids with ADD by coaching their parents on how to put things together and um, help the whole family uh, work together. She was a pioneer in having group sessions uh, online and so is well suited for the current climate of things and she's just published her book, The Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids. So, Elaine, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, this is an honor to be here to be back. It's been a long time, I'm glad to be here.
0: Yes, it has been a while. Um, Well, I'd I'd like to uh, talk with you about how you got started in doing what you are now and and how it grew into what you're doing now.
1: So um, you know how I got started as as I think so many moms of complex kids in this in this arena, um, motherhood is the necessity of invention. i um, I had three complex kids. Uh, I was doing everything that experts told me to do and all the traditional parenting books, and it wasn't working. And it was it not only that, but it was making me feel like I was failing as a parent, and I was feeling really lost and overwhelmed and stressed, and I needed help, and I wasn't getting the help I needed. You know, I didn't need a therapist. I didn't need a consultant. I needed help figuring out how to help my kids. And, um, and along the journey, I discovered this thing called coaching, which I had never even heard of before, but... Um, it was kind of a stopgap measure because I had young kids and I couldn't find a therapy program that was going to match my schedule. I was actually on my way back to graduate school. And I discovered coaching and and it was like I found it. I, I remember calling my husband in tears the first afternoon and saying, this is it. I This is it. I found what will make the difference. It's so positive. It's so empowering. And it's so effective. And so I kind of dove in and I became a coach and I became I was determined to help other parents not go through their their experience the way I did those first ten years, and um, within a pretty short time it had transformed my family. Within a couple of years, my husband had sold his business and he'd become a coach because it was so transformational. Mm. And um, and so I in those days I didn't have the term complex kids yet, but I was trying to help parents of kids who were quirky or different or learn differently, and, and I knew it was not just ADHD, but that was kind of the common ground for a lot of these kids. And, um, and when I met Diane Dempster at a, at a CHAD conference back when it was still CHAD in 2010, um, we had had a parallel experience. When we became coaches, we became better parents to our complex kids, and it wasn't rocket science. It was something we could teach. So we decided to start helping parents because what we realized is there was a lot of support out there for for kids themselves, but there was really nobody that was helping the parents figure out what to do and how to get through it. And it's hard as a parent to raise these quirky, complex, fabulous kids. So that's we decided to to make it as accessible as we could and as affordable as we could. And so we started online back in 2011, um, and everything we've done since then has been online and on the phone. So yeah. I feel like I've welcomed the rest of the world to my world in the last yeah. several months.
0: Great. So, one thing that struck me about um, reading your book, which, of course, like most books, I'm partway through, um, cool. was that it has the, I guess, the flavor and tone of things that have grown out of experience. And you've also had the chance to step back and put them in perspective, yeah. uh, which I think is so valuable. Um, and there are many ways to approach one thing and another. And when an idea is put out, yeah, this is a cool idea. Um, but it's not really fleshed out and, and been able to put the pieces together. Uh, it's a really refreshing to see. Um, work that does reflect your work since 2011.
1: Thank you, Yeah, That was really important to, to me in this. The, the um, I, you know, I didn't want to write a, a piece of the puzzle. And I think a lot of what happens to us as parents is we get a piece of the puzzle. We get a reward chart here or a strategy mm-hmm. there or like we, I call it the popcorn approach or the pinball yeah. approach, right? And, and that's what a lot of us spend years and years doing as parents. It's like, okay, I'm going to try brain training. Okay, I'm going to try therapy. Okay, like we just keep trying different things because we don't know what's going to help, what's going to stick, what's going to work. And what I really wanted to do with this book, David, was to say, okay, stop, pull back, look at the big picture. This is the context for how to raise these complex kids. Mm -hmm. You're going to get to the specifics. I'm going to give you some specifics. But if you don't understand the big picture, then you're going to keep feeling like you're in the middle of a popcorn machine.
0: And I think that brings up something that all of those of us with ADD face of, oh, this is new, I'll try, it. oh, this is a cool idea. Yeah. We tend to jump around. And the other thing with, with something like changing your approach in parenting is change is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So you try it and it's not working and we're impatient and ah, i got to try something else. Yeah. It takes This is that step back and look change doesn't happen in two weeks and how come isn't isn't working yeah um, and one of the things i think you mentioned is it's little little steps yeah so if you get a little step mm-hmm. if you get a smile from your kid thanks mom that helped bingo yeah. that is worth whatever frustration you've just had and it was just a little tiny part that's the start. That's the thing that that uh, is going to give you some reinforcement to, okay, keep on going.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it's incremental. You know, we tend to set our vision to the long term, and, and it's important. You want to have a vision. You want to hold the vision. But while you're holding the vision, you want to celebrate the baby steps along the way. And mm-hmm. we, tend to be so, we tend to be racing to the next thing and the next thing that we don't stop and see, like, to celebrate and say, wow, that really worked or that helped. And not only is it important for all of us for our self-esteem and our confidence for our kids and for us, um, but but it's also, that's the magic because the solutions are in those little successes. Yes. So, so the way that our model is structured, it's really super simple. And, and what's built into it is what we call rinse and repeat. It's part of the model includes, let's stop and see what's working, focus there, let's see what's not working, and then let's tweak it and try it again. So it's not throw up your hands and try something else, but it's like, let's keep sticking with something in little bits until we get something that really works. And then we can learn to apply that to other things.
0: Could you lay out that? six steps of the model, and then we can maybe go through each one in terms of how it works and what the, what the idea is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so the way the model, so the model just for framework is based on, on the principles of coaching. So what, what we teach, what Diane and I teach is the coach approach, approach to parenting, but equally is applicable, applicable to professionals, right? So it's a coach approach to managing complex issues. Um, And it doesn't matter whether you're managing ADHD or anxiety or depression or any of these things, this coach approach is is a simple method to do that. And so this first step is what we call taking aim. And taking aim is about getting really clear on the change you want to see. Some might call it the problem you want to solve. I like to frame it in, in a more positive way. So taking aim on the change, but getting really specific about what that change is. So it's not taking aim on mornings. It might be taking aim very specifically on getting out of bed or setting an alarm or getting to breakfast or whatever, really focusing on on a small enough change that you can see some progress. So that's step one is taking aim. And then step two is about what we call collecting information, gathering the data right getting curious what's going on let's say we're taking aim on on a kid getting out of bed in the morning because they may wake up but have a hard time getting up Um, so then you get curious what's going on are they having a hard time getting out of bed because they're just enjoying lounging or are they having a hard time because they don't know what's next or because they're they don't want to do what's next or I, i don't know what the problem is but if you can the more curious you can get Um, maybe they're having a hard time getting activated. I'm thinking about a kid I worked with or a family I worked with years ago where um, they shifted everything when they let the dog come in and jump on the kid's bed in the morning to wake the kid up. He just needed something more vibrant to activate him in the morning than his dad standing at the door saying, get up. Right? He was nine. He needs the play and the physical touch and and it changed everything, that that one simple solution. But we had to understand what was wrong, what was the, the challenge, before we could come up with a solution.
0: The two is getting curious. Go ahead. The question on that, in terms of determining what it is, is it motivation or whatever, um, is that just the parent observing and then trying to guess, or talking it over um, with the child? and? And you know, an eight-year-old isn't necessarily going to be able to say, well, Mom, you know, I have trouble with motivation and getting out of bed. <laughs> uh, because there's really nothing I want to do that day. Yep, you're
1: right. You know, the answer is, is it's going to depend on the scenario. It's going to depend on the age of the child. It's going to t- depend on the, the relationship between the parent and the child. Um, that's why we do parent coaching, because sometimes it's, it's a coach asking the questions for the parent to think through and not just not just answer it, but to really look at the question from a bunch of different angles. So in that case, I was coaching this couple. And when I was beginning to delve into, well, what is happening? And I was getting curious, what is happening when you're trying to get him out of bed? It became really clear that the dad was standing at the door angry. Well, that's not a very inviting way to wake up. No. And so it was very clear that the kid was resisting because of that. And so when we started talking about, well, what does the kid like? And when does it go well? And what happens when it does go well? And he remembered this one time where the dog got in the room accidentally and went running and jumping on the bed, and the kid started giggling, and they had this great morning. And it was like, well, voila, there, yeah. <laughs> there we go. We already have a solution. But the idea was, what we realized was he wanted he to wanted play because he was a little boy. And he wanted some connection with his father. He wanted to to have fun with his father and not get yelled at by his father. And so shifting shifting the dad's mindset to understand what the kid wanted was a huge part of of changing the dynamic. When the dad realized he didn't really like starting his day yelling at his kid either, we were able to shift the whole dynamic. So getting curious is sometimes, now with an older kid, with a teenager, with a kid in their 20s, they're going to have to do a little bit more of the legwork, and your job as an an adult, whether you're a provider or a parent, is to ask the questions to help them get curious, because when you first say, you know, what do you think is going on, they're going to say, I don't know, and that's fine, because they probably don't know yet. So if you can be patient with that and say, well, would you would you like to to, to check it out? Can we get curious about that? If you can invite the conversation, the the experimenter's mind, if you will, um, then you can begin to get them to see things about their own dynamic that they may not see yet. It's about shifting mm-hmm. perspective. So getting curious allows us to shift perspective so that we can then move into phase three, which is planning. And you know, parents love a good system and love a good plan, right? But but even when we get to planning, before we start action, we want to take our time and really understand what we're planning around. So there are kind of four steps to the planning process. One, the first is what we call activate the brain. And we got to really understand what's going on with the brain. Have we done everything we can to activate the brain? Have we, um, you know, is this a good time? Is this before medicine? Is this after medicine? Is this has this kid exercised? Have they gotten sleep? So we really want to understand. Um, what's going on in the brain as part of a planning system you're going to plan differently for a kid who is well rested and on medication for example than you will for a kid who's you know never getting any sleep and and um, doesn't have any strategies on board and never gets exercise
0: and like you're just going to consider it differently. tells you she's taken her medication but she really hasn't
1: Exactly yes right so so part of it is activating the brain part of it is what what we call positive parenting or positivity and this is, where, this is probably where our model is most in alignment with most other parenting paradigms out there. I mean, we all know that positivity and a positive approach is a, is a powerfully effective way to, to um, empower our kids. And many of us try, but we don't know how. And, and so in, in that framework, we want to look at it less about being a positive person and more about having a positive communication style. And really, learning techniques for for keeping the conversation and the exchanges with our kids more positive. Mm-hmm. We call we talk a lot about the tone of the home in that arena.
0: Yeah, and that's one thing that struck me when I was looking at it that the tone of voice is so important, and mm-hmm. I think takes a lot of practice. For first of all, for parents to be aware how it shows up, and then to change it. Mm-hmm. Uh, examples I've seen time and time again. And I practice sometimes between mom and her son right here in the office. Um, Mm -hmm. It grows out of two things, I think, that are specific with ADD. Number one, most people with ADD are extra sensitive to our various senses. um, And sound, I think, is is number one, Um, Mm -hmm. very sensitive to sound and inflections and changes of tone and number two that also goes along with we're very sensitive to our emotions mm-hmm. emotional tone of things so when a 10 year old boy says well you were yelling at me
1: mm-hmm.
0: mom says no I wasn't yes the volume of her voice wasn't different but the third time you ask him to pick up a backpack there's a different edge to your voice.
1: Right, when you're annoyed, the first, they
0: feel yes. it. And so I can see a parent has to be aware, oh, that's the kind of thing that's going to change the edge in my voice. Mm-hmm. How can I change the your tone of voice? Maybe you only need to ask once. Mm-hmm. And I suppose the background is, is helping the family understand we're going to be trying to do things in a different way. Yes. Um, And so, if something I try doesn't work, let me know. If something I try works, let me know that, too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I'm a big believer in what I call transparency, is a coaching concept of transparency, is, is to not try to convince our kids that we know everything, but actually to let our kids see us being human and to see Mm -hmm. that, that sometimes we don't and we're all figuring it out and we're going to figure it out together. That can be a really powerful place for our kids to see what it really means to be an adult. And that really earns their respect. So so that's the role of positivity, if you will, and, and that's a big component of planning. And then the next two are where I think that we really differentiate this model from most traditional parenting paradigms. The the third, The third section of the planning is shifting expectations. This is really, really, really essential for kids with complex issues because mm-hmm. most of our kids are developmentally impacted. They're delayed in some way. Maybe they're three to five years behind their peers in some aspects of their development, but not in all. And that's part of where the frustration is with parents. Cause like, well, but they have this really intense debate with me at dinner that why can't yeah. they turn in their paper? <laughs> you know? Yes. Right? The inconsistency is so hard. And so if we can help parents not lower their expectations by any stretch, but to shift them to meet our kids where they are developmentally, instead of where they are chronologically, that's when we can really help our kids learn to grow and to improve based on what they're capable of that moment. We don't want to set the bar so high that they begin to give up and feel like they can never achieve it. We want to, But we don't want to set it so low that they feel like we're babying them, right? We, it, it, it's mm-hmm. a bit of a dance, right, to set it appropriately. And that's why we call it shifting expectations because we kind of adjust and modify as we figure out how to modulate and meet them where they are for any given situation because it will be different if they're highly motivated to get their soccer gear together than it yes. will be if we're asking them to do a math assignment.
0: Right? Yes, and, and a pretty big 15-year-old kid start thinking, OK, he's getting more mature, and he's almost adult size. Ooh. But emotionally, he's 11 and a half. Right. And that's understanding that an 11 and a half-year-old is not going to respond the way Of the 15-year-olds would, for
1: instance. And yet he still wants to feel some sense of control about himself. He wants agency. And so we want to set expectations that allow him to take on as much responsibility as he can developmentally, appropriately, without setting the bar so high that they just feel like, why should I bother? It's never going to be good enough. So that's shifting expectations. And then the fourth area of planning is systems and structures. You know, and this is one thing I think in the ADHD world, we kind of do a disservice to parents, is that parents come to us and they say, I want systems. And then we say, OK, here's a system. And if we don't help them understand all the stuff that leads up to developing a system that we've talked about, if we don't help them set an appropriate uh, goal and understand what's going on in the dynamic and look at where the brain is contributing, if we don't do all of these other things, then we are likely to put a structure in place that's not the right fit for the kid. Or maybe we're going to put a structure in place that would work for us, but may not work for the kid. Yep. and then when it doesn't work we're going to get frustrated we're going to throw up our hands and we're gonna say okay you do it but if we can create systems and structures collaboratively with our kids if we can work with them to help them see what works for them and what doesn't if we can do it in the context of those other things we talked about about positivity and shifting expectations then we can really teach them to the process of problem-solving or creating systems for themselves which is the goal of ADHD management, right, is they need to learn to manage themselves. So systems and structures are key, but they're not a goal in and of themselves. We have to remember that they're just a tool, and we want to keep mm -hmm. in mind that they are a tool to achieve something else.
0: And uh, I think you hit on a key point, um, which is part of what you hope to do with your adolescent or anyone, but helping parents learn how to develop the process. Uh just Here's the process. Okay, now you can do that. But as you're going along, they can see how that process grew out of everything else. Uh Because two months later, there's going to be something different there. Well, if they know how to develop the process around that, then they're going to increase success just as adolescents. You want your now 17-year-old to be able to remember to take her medicine before she goes on a drive, and Mm -hmm. that she does have soccer practice, so she better bring her soccer shoes to school, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And when she's 14, as in emotionally 11, she's not going to remember the shoes. And getting after her saying, well, why didn't you? That's not going to get anywhere. I think nope. the word "why" should
1: be eliminated.
0: Yeah, ADHD <laughs> Why is absolutely unfair question to ask.
1: I couldn't agree with you more. It's it's definitely a no-no in the coaching world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they teach you to replace "why" with "what." What was going on when? What were you, What are you thinking about? What might be happening when? So that we get you know, in the book, I talk about getting get curious, not furious, mm-hmm. right? is really understanding what's going on instead of judging it. And when we say why, it's a judgment term. Why didn't you? Why can't you? And they feel that judgment, right? They feel, oh, yeah. they that's, that's no, another way where they feel like you're yelling at them, even if you're not raising your voice.
0: Yes, well, and just what you said that you could say, what were you thinking about? What were you thinking about?
1: Exactly! <laughs> So I got to tell you, David. I did an exercise with with a group of kids. I think I tell the story in the book. When my eldest child was in third grade, I created a mother
0: daughter group. Yes, I remember. That. Is,
1: it an, is it a story in the book? Okay, and and um, I had the kids go through this exercise where I would give them something to say and then they and then i would call and it was something like please pick up the backpack it was something very innocuous and then i would call out a tone of voice for them to say it in and so they would take turns and get up in the front and i would say okay do it angry now do it sad now do it frustrated now and it was hysterical and the kids loved it and the parents Hmm. were Hmm. squirming in the back of their room (laughs) and they heard how innocuous a simple statement like that could be when you said it with different
0: tones of voice.
1: And the kids got it immediately. The parents did too, but they didn't like it as much.
0: (laughs) No, no, but I think that's exactly the kind of example that is gonna bring a parent's awareness to, oh, I guess that did sound different, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's really key. So, So when we, by the time we get through planning, we want to take action, and the goal is to take action. This is not just a theoretical book. It's not just context. It's definitely practical. But when you take action, you want to understand that it's not always going to work the first time, that you might have to try it a few times. That's why we do step four is take action, and step five is rinse and repeat, right? Like, start again. Let's see what worked, see what didn't work and let's try it again and and start with the expectation that it's not going to work the first time so we're, nobody's disappointed and we know that our job is to keep tweaking and improving until we find something that does work not only does that is that much more um, stress, much less stressful for us as parents. But it also teaches our kids to set realistic expectations for themselves. Because Mm -hmm. if they feel like they can't do anything right because it's always going to be wrong and they're not allowed to be wrong, well, if you're not allowed to be wrong, you're never going to try anything. Yes. And that's not what we want. We want kids who are willing to experiment with different ways that work for them so that they can find what works for them, because they're not going to know it. they got to figure it out. And then the last step there in the model, because you asked for the six steps of the model, right? So it's take aim, get educated, plan, and there's four different areas of plan. Yep. Step four is act. Step five, as I say, is rinse and repeat. And then step six is kind of circles the whole thing. It's not really a step. It's really context for the whole thing. And that's about self-care. And we think it's really, really, really important for parents, for professionals, for even for the kids to learn to take care of ourselves in this process because it's not easy, and it can be frustrating. And so we've got to really make sure to keep our oxygen mask on and to take care of ourselves. We always say to parents, if you don't know where to take aim, there are two places to look. One is, is to focus on leaning into your relationship with your kid, and the other is to practice self-care. That's it. If you you do nothing else and you you begin to focus on those two things, you will change the dynamic in your home and improve it.
0: And this brings to mind so much of what's going on with COVID and Mm -hmm. the angst that people have and having to deal with change and everything's upheaval. Um, Mm -hmm. And the same when you've got this model and you're working on it, And it can get so intense that everybody needs to step back. Okay, let's take some deep breaths. Let's go for a walk. Um, This has been a really stressful, tough day, and it's only 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Right. 9 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) We're going to put it aside for the rest of the day. We're going to go for a walk, and let's figure out what we're going to have for a picnic, and we're going to have a picnic in the living room love that and it just gets away from all the well we're going to try this we are do that and we're going to get these steps up on the board and let's just back off mm-hmm. you know, and take that that break and that's good self-care it's not doesn't mean you're you're uh, neglecting what you started out to do or you're giving up it's just saying we need to t- take a break and take care of ourselves you know?
1: yeah we we gotta have
0: perspective so here yeah
1: it, it's, I mean, I get, we're in the marathon, right? We are in this for the long term. This is not a mm-hmm. short-term experience. And so as parents, we have to pace ourselves. We have to nourish ourselves. Um, we have to let go of trying to fill everybody's expectations and and just start focusing on what's important right now. It's one, one of the mm-hmm. questions we ask in the book is, you know, what's most important? And get really clear on that and know that that will change and that's okay. Um, but but I love what you're saying, which is give yourself permission to put the relationships first, and to not and be it, so focused on the tasks. You know what I've been saying throughout this whole pandemic is is I don't care what age your child is, don't let school get in the way of their education.
0: Yep, <laughs> that's a great one. Um, you know, and I think that the, uh, the whole model is while well, you're coaching parents, that parents whether they know it or not are coaching their children to be able to develop the process to the that yes self-care is important take a break Um, and unfortunately we have to take a break because we're now at 30 minutes but we got through all six (laughs) so we can progress on to other chapters um, in future shows and I look forward to having you back and talking some more about this because I think it is just so critical in so many different ways to help parents, help children, and that helps the family be able to cope with things better. And parents are going to feel more successful, and children are as well. Absolutely. And that's just so critical. So thank you, Elaine. It's been wonderful to talk with you. My guest today has been Elaine Taylor-Klaus, who is... Uh, developed uh, Impact ADHD and Impact Parenting as parent coaching uh, styles and methodology. And her new book is The Essential Guide to Raising Complex Kids. Thank you so much, all of you, for listening. This has been Dr. David Pomeroy with Elaine Taylor-Klaus on ADHD Focus. Take care. Stay healthy.